All right, so we've been in this series uh, called Fruit by the Foot, right? Uh, which is why we have the candy there in the back. Feel free to grab it whenever um, you want. To remind you that when the Holy Spirit enters the life of a, of a Christian, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, that the, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would take residence inside of your life. And once the Holy Spirit is inside of your life, He does a couple different things. He, he regenerates your heart. He saves us. He makes us, the Bible says, a new creation. And we have the promise of eternity. But all those things we can't see. But there are some things that we can see that the Holy Spirit does do within our lives. We call it fruit. We call it fruit. The Holy Spirit produces this fruit. So what Jesus does inside of us so impacts the way we live our lives that it, it changes the way we even behave on the outside. It's what the Holy Spirit does. And Paul calls that word fruit. The Holy Spirit bears fruit inside the life of a believer. That's why we call this series Fruit by the Foot. The fruit that we live by the way we walk, by the way we live our lives. And what we've mentioned is that there's this huge tug of war, right, that, we're, that we all face. It's a tug of war between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. There's this tug of war. And, and, and I know I can't be the only one that senses it. We feel it. And we, last week we spoke about the works of the flesh, And what Paul said earlier in the, in, the, in the few verses before this, he said the works of the flesh are obvious. In other words, he was saying, I shouldn't make this list, but I'm going to make it for you anyway. And we spoke about it. And what we said was last week that sin brings about brokenness. And each of the works of the flesh that he listed out fell into one of those categories. Brokenness between us and God. Brokenness to one another, how we treat each other. And there's even brokenness on ourselves and how we view ourselves and what we do to ourselves. And each of the categories that we spoke about last week fell into one of those things. And there's a huge pull in this tug of war between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Now today, for the next two weeks, we're going to be, begin talking about the fruit of the Spirit. What are the attributes that the Spirit begins to produce in us? And initially, I was going to wrap up the series and we were going to go through all of them today. But I do think there's so much in each one of these words that we broke it up into two different weeks, okay? So my prayer is, and I, and I invite you to pray with me, that over the next two weeks, God would produce this fruit more and more in us. Listen, it's true that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. And, and, in, and if you put your faith in Him, He gives you forgiveness of sin and new life and, and salvation. But it doesn't mean that instantly... You know, we live perfect, angelic lives now and never have a sinful thought. And we don't struggle and we don't strive to try to live the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, this is what we got to strive to do. We need to make a decision to do that. So let's read Galatians chapter 5, verses uh, 22 to 26. But we're really just going to hinge on the first half of this uh, passage says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, fruit by the foot. Let us keep in step 
with the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Would you guys pray with me? God, thank you for your word, and thank you for the fruit that the Spirit produces, God. I pray that that the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in my life, and that it will be evident in all of our lives. And God, we acknowledge and know that this is a struggle, but we pray that by the power of the Spirit, each day we may look more and more like Jesus. Amen. Alrighty, guys. So, just to kick us off, uh, the big idea for today, and if you, if you get the email and stuff, in the email there's, there's the notes there with the Bible verses and all that. You can follow along if you want. But the big idea is this. That is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to produce fruit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to produce fruit. If you guys look at the passage that we just read right now, you notice that Paul says, he wrote, he wrote this phrase, fruit of the Spirit. Why didn't he write fruits of the Spirit? He just said fruit of the Spirit. He didn't say plural. It's not a plural, which I think means a couple different things, but specifically it means that this is fruit that the Holy Spirit can be producing in all of us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit in each and every single one of us. And what that means is that you don't pick and choose which one you want to produce, right? You might be like, well, you know, I love love, joy. I love it. Like, I want more of that, Holy Spirit. Give me more of that. But kindness? Do I really need to be kind? What about people that aren't kind to me, Holy Spirit? Do I got to be kind to them? Well, it doesn't work that way. The, the Holy Spirit produces fruit, singular, not plural, which means these are all examples of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces inside each and every single one of us. So you're like, you know, love, joy, peace. Yes, I want that. Patience? God, I don't want patience. I mean, when I'm stuck in traffic on that bridge, or when somebody cuts me off and gives me the finger, am I supposed to be patient in that instance? And so we don't pick and choose. We don't pick and choose. This is what the Spirit produces in each and every single one of our lives. And so what that means for you and what that means for me is that we aspire to produce this fruit and then to grow. It doesn't mean we perfectly practice love and joy and kindness, but it does mean that we purposely pursue the fruit of the Spirit and that we grow in these areas in our lives. In other words, we want the Holy Spirit's pull on the tug of war. We want the Holy Spirit's pull to be stronger than the flesh. That's what we want. That's our desire. So for the rest of our time, we're going to take four, the first four, if I'm not mistaken, of the fruit of the Spirit. And the first one is love. And the first point is love without condition. Love without condition. Now you guys got to forgive me. I know I've been teaching you guys a lot of Greek lately, and that's not my intention. It's just sometimes when you, when you study the original language that the, that the scripture was translated from, there's just so much more. Let me just check this, make sure nobody's stuck outside. Okay, so nobody's stuck. When you study the original language, sometimes there's so much more that you can pull out. From, the lang- from, from this. And the word that's translated love, there's the word agape. Now this is important because for a couple different reasons. First of all, when we mention the word love in English, you just say love. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my kids. I love my friends. I love my wife. And we just use one word. In the Greek, they don't just use one word to describe love because the love between 
you and your spouse is different than the love you have for your kids and is different than the love you have for friends, right? And in the Greek, this makes this distinguish between those different kinds of love and even the love, the perfect love of God. And so there's a distinguish between each of those and Paul uses the word agape here. He's not talking about brotherly love, friendly love, or even uh, eros, erotic love, the love between a spouse, between a husband and a wife. It's a different type of love. It's agape. And, and what it means is that it's a love that simply goes above and beyond affection. It's not just an affectionate love. In other words, the love that he talks about here is not just the love that comes from a response of the heart. Right? It doesn't come that way. It implies a decision as much the mind as the heart. So the love he's talking about here is not just an emotional response. It's a decision to love. I decide to love. And that's important because that means that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can love somebody who is unlovable. You can love someone who is unloving. And you know, you guys know this. We are very transactional beings. If you show me love, then I will extend love to you as well. Whatever emotion you give me, I will return that emotion to you because we're very transactional. If you, if you, if you give me animosity, then what is our initial response? It's to answer with animosity. If you give me anger, I give you anger. But if you give me kindness, I return kindness or gentleness with gentleness because we're transactional. But this love that the Holy Spirit empowers us with is not transactional. It's a love that we decide to do. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love agape love. It's an unconditional love. We are transactional, but this type of love is not that way. Can you guys imagine a, a love without condition? Can you imagine our world like that? Can you imagine loving the unloving? Can you imagine returning love for hate? Instead of returning hate for hate. Can you imagine a church that was that way? Maybe we'd be a lot less known for divisiveness and a lot more known for love and unity. If you, if you consider the love that Jesus extends to us is not a transactional love. If Jesus would have said, well, I'll wait for Danny to fix up his life before I go ahead and pay for his sins. Can you imagine that? But the Bible says that Jesus loved me while I was yet a sinner, while I was in my sin, while I was on a road to destruction, while I was in my most unlovable state, Jesus died for me. And Jesus loved for me. That is the power of the gospel. Has your love been more transactional? Where can you grow in agape love? In an unconditional love, a spirit-empowered love. The second word is joy. And number two in your notes is that it's a joy that is independent. A joy that is independent. How many of you have heard of the phrase, the pursuit of happiness? You guys have heard of that phrase? Happiness. Joy is not happiness. It's very different. And in fact, the very, the, the, the very fact that we use that phrase, the pursuit of happiness, means that it is something that is contingent or dependent upon your circumstances. If you pursue happiness, that means you don't have it. That means you got to look for it, right? And that means that it's contingent on what's going on around you. So you, you may or may not be able to experience happiness depending on what's happening circumstantially. If things are going well, I'm happy. If things are not going well, then guess what? I'm sad or I'm angry or I'm upset. 
You see, joy transcends that. You don't pursue joy. You pursue happiness because it's not around. Joy implies more than happiness. And in fact, joy can be experienced even when our circumstances aren't unfavorable. So listen, if you're going through a difficult time right now, I mean, who isn't? If you're struggling right now, who isn't? If you are facing fear, anxiety, or worry, as many of us are in, in, a, in, a, in a pandemic, in a post-pandemic world, you can still experience joy. That's why James says, the, the brother of Jesus, he wrote these words in the book of James. He said, count it all joy when you face trials and tribulations. What are you talking about, James? How can I experience joy during trial and tribulations? That's because joy is very different than happiness. And we can experience joy even right now, even with the problems that you're facing right now, because it's a fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can give you joy even in the middle of a difficulty. The third word is peace. And number three is a peace that surpasses understanding. We need peace right now in our world, don't we? We need a lot of peace. Because what we see around us, and you guys can feel free to disagree, but I feel like what I see all around me is calamity. It's noise. It's the opposite of peace. And not just because of traffic, though we definitely need peace you know, there. We, not just because of things going around us, but not just because of all that, but you know, this lack of peace that we experience in the world, it's led to a lot of different things. And there's an uptick in anxiety. There's an uptick in worry and fear. Or what about those thoughts that are constantly racing through your head? Or we're always on the edge. We're always on the edge. We are, we're experiencing anger. And there's like overreaction. And we see that even in, uh, you know, on, on social media and on the posts. And not just face-to-face -face interaction, but even the things that we read. We're all on the edge because there's no peace. But the Holy Spirit gives us peace. Peace. In fact, in, uh, in, the, in the early church, this idea of peace and joy was so important that they would name their children after the Greek name. The Greek word for peace is Irene. And during the early church, many of the kids' names, the girls' names were Irene. Because this is what they pursued. The Holy Spirit gives Irene. It gives peace. One definition of this Word is exemption from havoc and rage of war. How many want that exemption? Exemption from havoc or rage of war. And we all need this in a world full of noise. We need to quiet our souls. And we need to experience this peace. And it means just like joy, you can experience peace even in the middle of an election year. You can experience peace no matter your circumstances. The Bible says we can have a peace that surpasses understanding, even in calamity. Listen, even in loss, even in hurt, you can still have peace. It doesn't mean you're absent of sadness or grief, but it means that in the middle of strife, in the middle of turbulence, you can still have peace. The Holy Spirit gives us peace. Peace with God. Peace with one another and peace of self. A peace that surpasses understanding. And here's the fourth and final point. Patience. It's a patience that doesn't give up. We need a lot of patience in our world. 
We sure do. We need a lot of patience. Not just because of the traffic and the loud noises and because of the annoying social posts. Though God knows we need patience with all that too. But it's even beyond that. In the original language of the word that's translated patience, it implies to the original words before that, maintaining love, peace, and patience over a long period of time. In fact, some of your translations, the CSB translated patience, but maybe your translation translates it long-suffering. That word, long-suffering. Who wants to suffer for a long time? That's what this word implies. Long-suffering. Suffering over a long period of time. This patience that the Holy Spirit gives you, listen, it allows you to bear adversity. It allows you to bear trials and difficulty. Do we need that now? It's been what? Eight months now? Seven? Eight? I lost track of time. Eight months. Eight months since the beginning of the whole shutdown in New York City. And, and we thought we flattened the curve or whatever. And now numbers are going back. And who knows? There may be another shutdown in the near future. I don't know. But we're still living in all this. We need long-suffering. We need patience in the middle of that election year, all the debates, all the arguing, all the bickering, all the division back and forth. We need long-suffering. We need patience. And the Holy Spirit gives that. And what that means is that not just circumstantially we need patience, we need patience with one another. Right? Because I, I know this to be true, is that you know, have you ever had somebody get on your last nerve or somebody annoy you? We do that because we're humans. And, and one thing I know for sure is that no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to let you down. And I need the Holy Spirit to give you patience with me. And I need the Holy Spirit to give me patience with you. So the Holy Spirit gives us patience with one another because we do let each other down. We do annoy each other on occasion. We're imperfect. We're sinful human beings. And aren't you glad that Jesus is not easily irritated with us? That aren't you glad that God is patient? The Bible says that God's heart is not that anybody should perish, but that all would come to the everlasting Father, would come to the, come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that would come to acceptance of Jesus Christ. God is patient. He's patiently waiting. Aren't you glad that God was patient with you? That when you were in your most stubborn, hard-hearted place, God patiently waited for you. God loved you into His arms. God sent Jesus to die in your place so that you wouldn't have to experience the suffering for your sin. Jesus would do that on your behalf and then conquer the grave so that God can welcome you into the family of God and welcome you to all eternity with Him. Aren't you glad that God is patient and that Jesus is patient with all of us? And I'm glad that even now that I've come to know the gospel truth, that God is still patient with me. And He's patient with me over and over and over. And the fact that He still loves me even though I continue to let him down and let others down. God is patient with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, and patience. We don't pick and choose what we want. This is the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us. Now maybe, you know, we're on different, you know, on the spectrum, on where we're at, on how we experience kindness or give kindness and joy and love. But God is at work in our lives. And our prayer should be, God, give me more of the fruit of your Spirit. Let's pray. And then uh, Hunter's going to lead us in one more song as we pray. And then I'll come back and we'll just partake in communion together. Uh, for those of you that want to partake in communion. And then I'll just have an announcement before we go. Do you guys pray with me? Love, joy, peace, and patience. God, we need a love, an agape love that is unconditional. Lord, we are so transactional in how we treat one another. But I pray, God, that we may mimic the perfect love of God, that agape love that is unconditional, that we may return love to the unloving, the same way you love us in our most unlovable state. God, I pray for peace in a world full of calamity. God, that we may experience a peace even in the middle of trial, of much anxiety, in the middle of so much turmoil, that we may have peace, God. Peace and patience, God. Patience. Patience, God, with, with everything going around us, that, that it would be long-suffering, God, that in the middle of the hardship and the trial, that we may continue to endure. Give us a joy, God. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Give us a joy that is not contingent on our happiness. Give us a joy that is not dependent on our circumstances. But God, that is rooted in you. We pray, God, that you produce this fruit in our lives, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.